welcome to That Wellness Podcast with Natalie Deering. Today, I'm sitting with Stephanie Ryle. Stephanie is a licensed professional clinical counselor, a nationally certified counselor, and a board-certified neurotherapist. She specializes in adult psychotherapy, neurofeedback, EEGs, and Christian counseling, and she is the founder of Right Mind Wellness Center in Cincinnati, Ohio. Welcome, Stephanie, to the podcast. Thank you. Good to be here. I'm so happy yeah, to be sitting here with you. We uh, had the opportunity to meet a couple hours ago <laughs> for my own appointment, going over my results with the EEG that I came and did at your wellness center. And we can get into all of that. I, I'm totally open to sharing with what was on there with the listeners in the hopes that people listening, maybe parts of them get curious about like, oh, hmm, that's interesting. I wonder what Stephanie could find <laughs> within my brain. <laughs> and I, I know that, do you want to share any other uh, credentials? I know you, like we were just talking before we hit record, you have a bunch of things that you specialize in and things that I have a hard time pronouncing because <laughs> the words are <laughs> very scientific and, uh, Anything else you want to share with the listeners about your specialties? Yeah, the only other thing I just obtained was my QEEGD, which is quantitative electroencephalogram diplomat. Um, and so certification process and then exam and essentially the letters after your name when you achieve that just show that you are qualified to read EEG. So it just makes me a more credible source when I scan people's brains and I tell them what I see. They know that there has been a regulating board that has approved me to do so and that the stuff that I'm reading isn't just guesswork, that it's actual science. Okay. It just helps people know that you're legit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You've been trained <laughs> and you've been certified and and all of that. Yeah. Well, And I can say now through direct experience that having met with you like I said, just a couple hours ago, having gone through my own results from my own EEG. I mean, yeah, what you do is like magic. I don't understand. <laughs> like, <laughs> you I know, the way all the time. it is, it's so fascinating. Just the way that <laughs> everything looks on the screen, you're sharing everything with me as you're going through it. You're clicking all these buttons and doing these things that make no sense to me as the <laughs> observer. And then you're just like, oh, wow, look at this. This is, <laughs> let's compare this to that. And so, yeah, I, I'm letting you all know as listeners that, yeah, Stephanie knows what she's doing. It is, it's like magic. It is. People frequently call it like psychic or tarot card reading. Like they feel like I'm reading their minds. So They're like, how did yeah. you you can see that. Oh my gosh. And it ends up being so validating for people. I mean, people will sob on these zoom calls and in my office because I'll share with them things like, Hey, you know, when someone talks to you, your brain really is not receiving that at all. Like your auditory comprehension area is not receiving that. So if people get upset with you because it seems like you're not listening, it's not because you don't want to listen. You want very much to listen. They're like, Oh my gosh, you're right. Like I constantly, yeah. And so it's just super validating to mm -hmm. know that like it's something wrong with how your brain's firing. It's not you choosing to be messed up. Right. Oh, yeah, completely. Because then, you know, as as me as an IFS therapist, I would look at that as 
we could have then parts of ourselves get activated with, with shaming, you know, being very critical towards maybe either parts of us that are connected to trouble with what's connected to how the brain is firing. Right. Uh, Cause the way like Dick Schwartz talks about it, he's like, we can have this stuff going on within us biologically and neurologically, right? Like it's there, you can see it like we did like on the EEGs. He's like, and then we can have psychologically like these parts within us, these energies, these aspects of us get activated with shame that, you know, based on other people's reactions, like you, that example you just said, I thought was really great where if someone does have uh, what did you call it? Like an auditory processing issue. Like if someone's talking to them, but because of where that part of their brain is, it's not functioning as optimally as maybe it could be. They're not taking it in, but parts of them are really wanting to. And then if the other person who's talking is maybe getting frustrated with that person and they, and then the other person receiving it feels that frustration or they receive that frustration from that other person, then that can trigger parts within them that are then like, what's wrong with me, right? Like, there's something wrong with me. I'm not good enough. Um, Yeah, like all of that kind of stuff. So completely makes sense that by you being able to look at someone's EEG and brainwaves that you can validate this for people. And I felt that today on all the things that you said to me. It was like, it was like, oh yeah, yes. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Yep. I go through that. I experience that. So I agree. It can feel very validating. Sure. And, we we yeah. know that mental health is measurable now and mm-hmm. it is a disservice to our clients not to show them the invisible, yeah. even something like internalization, like you were talking about. The neuromarker for that is excess alpha power at 01 and 02 in the back of the head in the occipital cortex. You can literally see when someone is introspective and prone to internalization Mm. on the EEG. It's amazing. Yeah, it's so cool. (laughs) It is. It's so neat. And so let's kind of back up a little bit for the listeners. And can you talk about what is neurofeedback? Yeah, sure. Neurofeedback is a type of biofeedback. Biofeedback just means giving the body feedback about its uh, own functioning, own performance. Um, So there are different types of biofeedback. There's heart rate variability, which gives you feedback about the time and milliseconds between each heartbeat and allows you to um, see how your heart is functioning from a coherence standpoint and stress standpoint. There's pelvic floor biofeedback, skin temperature biofeedback, because your hands, the temperature of your hands cools down when you're stressed and it warms up when you're happy. So we can put like thermistors on people's finger and use devices and train their hands to become warmer with different sounds. And so biofeedback in general is just giving the body feedback about how it's performing and then using um, little devices and techniques and audio and visual um, enhancement in order to Um, train it to function better physiologically. So neurofeedback is just EEG biofeedback. So it's giving the brain feedback about its own performance using the electroencephalogram. Okay. Because I I was just in the back of my mind kind of reflecting on when I worked at a university counseling center, we developed a biofeedback room and the equipment that we used to be available for us as staff, but also as students was... I want to say it was measuring, it was ones that, yeah, like clipped on the finger 
and it was measuring like heart rate and I guess like heart rate variability, like breathing. Uh, I think it was also, it had like skin sensors to see like temperature and maybe sweat and things like that. Mm-hmm. And then people doing it had the option of either doing like games where it could, I think one of them, if I remember correctly, it was like you were like driving a car and there would be different obstacles yeah, <laughs> on the computer. And I guess it was measuring, right? Like your stress response. Yes. And as the situation got a little bit more stressful, like how your body responded to that through heartbeat and heart rate variability and things like that. And then there was also the option of, I guess, like training where it would be like one of them I remember was like this beautiful glowing image and it would move and glow and get bigger and smaller. I, I think it was, and you tell me, um, cause it's a long time ago. I want to say that was like giving the person kind of like training them to know like, okay, like your breathing's maybe becoming a little bit more shallow, your heartbeat's coming a little bit faster. And so then the image would get small, 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 small. (laughs) And then it was like, that was cue for the person to take notice of their breathing and then to practice the deeper breathing and then like fall. I want to say they also had like a thing where you could follow it in terms of like how long you inhaled and how long you exhaled. Does that sound right? Yep. That's exactly right. If I were to really boil down neurofeedback, it's we put people in front of a video game to train their brain to fire more optimally. So we put EEG sensors on the scalp after we do the full cap EEG um, with the 19 channels. And we find the problem areas. We put single electrodes on the problem areas. We hook them up to our an amplifier that will magnify them because brain waves are very, very, very small and fast. Um, and so we have one computer showing us the person's line live brain waves, and then the other computer is in front of the client. And the client has a game in front of them. So like Pac-Man is one of them, mazes. Mm. And um, Pac-Man will be nice and bright and yellow and move throughout the maze steadily and beep, doot, doot, doot. If your brain is firing how we want it to fire, Um, if your brain is firing too slow or too fast or at the wrong power, Pac-Man will stop and turn black. So Mm. it gives your brain feedback that it's not firing the right way. So then your brain starts to play a game with it and it goes, for example, let's talk about training at CZ if somebody's got insomnia or sports performance issues or something like that. So we want them to fire at 12 to 15 hertz. So we tell two to six Hertz and 20 to 30 Hertz to inhibit. And we tell 12 to 15 to reward on our computer. On their computer, it's set up. So Pac-Man only moves when they're firing between 12 and 15. And they're keeping that power between two and six and 20 to 30 down below thresholds. Mm. And so the brain learns very quickly, Pac-Man moves. Oh wait, I'm firing 14. Okay, Pac-Man's moving. What if I fire eight? Oh, Pac-Man stops. Okay, what if I fire 13? He moves. Okay. So the brain picks up really quickly because it's a feedback machine. It's designed to optimize itself, right? Uh, It picks up very quickly. Oh, I want to win this game. All I have to do is fire this way. I'll make Pac-Man move and we make it harder and harder as they do it so that the brain learns more and more to produce this. And then at the end, the brain realizes, okay, cool. I just fired this way and won this game, but what else do I notice about how 
I'm performing right now, well, I notice that it's easier for me to retain information and focus. And I feel better when I fire at the speed. I think I'll just keep firing this way. And that's why it's permanent. That's why this is a permanent mm. side effect free med free treatment, because once the brain learns to do the right thing, it just continues to do that. Interesting. So I guess one thing that was just, yeah, in the back of my mind, as you were describing that was it's not a conscious thing that's happening though, right? Like as the person's yeah. looking at Pac-Man and, and trying to play this game, it's not like they're like sitting there like, oh, okay, now I need to think this way. Right. It's not telekinetic at all. It's just happening. The more you are thinking, 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 and trying to make it move and getting frustrated, you're firing at different speeds than we need for that part of the brain to be calm, alert, and focused. And so mm-hmm. that'll serve kind of against you in the training. You have mm-hmm. to be, all the person has to be is calm, alert, and focused and the brain will take care of the rest. And this can be really frustrating for some people who like to be in control, but that alone. Right. Is- yes. Well, yeah. automatically, I know I have parts of me that, yeah, <laughs> try to seek control. And, uh, and so, yeah, right now I'm like, oh yeah, that would be probably beneficial for me to do. <laughs> <laughs> yes. To help train these specific parts of my brain that you were, you know, letting me know today, maybe are not functioning optimally you know, for, for myself. And so you've mentioned now about, like you said, the word EEG and what I did with you all was I came in and you put the full cap on my head. And is that considered like an, that's the EEG. That's the EEG cap. EEG cap. And it has how many holes? 19. 19. And she squirted like little bits of gel which was actually very relaxing. I told her, oh, I was good. like, I was like, this feels so relaxing because um, it was like a little head massage, you know, oh. she would squirt the gel and then she'd like massage it with her fingers. You know, I've got thick curly hair. And so I, there were a couple of the sensors, I guess that needed a little extra attention to like really get a good connection. But yeah, I found it to be very relaxing. There were parts of me that were nervous just for the sake of kind of like that performance worry of like, wait, what am I doing? What are they going to find? You know? Yeah. Type thing. And it was, was it 10 minutes with my eyes closed and then 10 minutes with my eyes open? Mm -hmm. And it was interesting because she, yeah, she had me stare at this ball that has colors on it. Mm. And she was like, just pick your favorite color. And I picked like a lime green. And so she like placed it to where like the lime green was like in my line of eyesight. It was at a, like at a kind of a, a diagonal. Mm, Yeah. We just need your eyes to be downcast enough to where you're not using any of your frontalis muscle on your forehead Mm. because it's such sensitive equipment that it'll pick up muscle movements. It even picks up your eye blinks. We have to filter this right. out. Um, so if we can keep your eyes kind of downward and still those muscles are more likely to relax than if you're looking straight, you're automatically kind of using your forehead to look straight. Okay. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it was eyes open, eyes closed. And I gave her the feedback and I told you this earlier too. I felt like I felt more comfortable with my eyes closed, but now I'm wondering after you gave me the feedback that you did today, if that was because <laughs> I was tired 
And like when I had my eyes closed, I like you showed me, I could like have these moments <laughs> of like not sleep, but how would you describe what you saw? Drowsing or drowsing. Yeah. Yeah. Which is what brainwave again? You were getting into alpha there. Alpha. Mm-hmm. Okay. And alpha is eight to 12 you- hertz of frequency. It's our chill rhythm. So okay. It's the rhythm that helps us to just kind of like calm, chill, know everything's okay. It's really awesome in the back of the head. We don't want it in the front of the head when the eyes are open as the dominant rhythm, because that would indicate like ADHD, like issues, slower function, Mm. brain fog. So I had that appear on my results. Was it both with my eyes open and my eyes closed? Because I remember you saying to me, yeah, that there was like this mixture of hypervigilance and my brain having trouble processing, like taking in all, like I try to take in everything and I'm not tuning things out. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering if that is like the parts of me that felt more uncomfortable with my eyes open for 10 minutes. Now you're allowed to blink. I want to say that (laughs) you're not like forcing your eyes open for 10 minutes. That's impossible. I'm wondering if, and what do you think about this? Like if the parts of me felt uncomfortable with my eyes open for that long because there is this tendency for this part of my brain to not be able to tune things out. Sure. Yeah. Your brain especially takes in every single stimulus and our brain, so much of our brain is subconscious and it's to be kept that way because it just performs so much that if it made us aware of everything, it would be really overwhelming and we wouldn't be able to focus on a task at hand. So in the front left, especially, but the front left and right, uh, we've got these like gating features where information comes in, but subconsciously a lot gets processed and like discarded because it wasn't important and doesn't even need to come to our conscious awareness. Like if you and I are talking right now and a car buzzes by and we know we're near a street and it's not like it's crashing into the building then our brain really shouldn't even make us super aware of that because we're focused on our conversation Um, but brains that have salience issues like yours like that is very audible to you and your brain does notice that so multiply that with all of the sensory stimuli in your environment your brain is taking in everything consciously and so that produces a really overwhelmed state right and now this just came into my mind as you were saying that i find that i surround myself with like sound machines and fans on and i'm wondering is that to try and drown out the other stimuli that is around I'm sure. Plus you're sensitive. Remember, we found out that you're sensitive too, mm-hmm. uh, but, um, from a tactile standpoint, which is probably why you really liked that kind of scalp massage of the EEG cap and your sound and sight sensitive, like lights and sounds. Mm-hmm. And so that probably does help you. You know, it's one thing to be in silence and kind of be working and then hear a lot of stuff rather than have something that's already happening so that your brain is taking that in and it's constant noise on the outside. Yeah. And so I guess then that could be, would you say that that is causing an issue, like a negative issue, having all of those different sounds in the background, or do you feel like it's helping? So this is where we get into functionality. I'm really glad you asked that. So that, if that stressed you out, yes, that's an issue. 
If that were adaptive and functional for you, I would say that's just fine. So if you are like a manager of a daycare center and you have a billion kids to keep up with and you've got employees and everybody's one's on a potty break and one's playing with this and one just fell over and whatever, it would be completely appropriate for you to need to take in all that stimuli and to kind of have your brain be aware of every little thing. So that would be great. But if you're in a situation where you need to be more mindful and more attuned to one thing, let's say like if you're a counselor, right? Mm -hmm. You're sitting there and you're supposed to really be attending to your client. And if you get distracted by the conversation outside or you start thinking your own thoughts of the notes you have to write or light flashes through the window and you miss what they say, that could be crucial. So we only train, this is why I do individualized EEGs and I there are neurofeedback systems out there that train people to norms and I will caution you against those constantly. Watch out for Z-score training. Um, it's not that it's totally unhelpful, but it trains you to be like healthy, normative people. Mm. Um, and there are some people that need to have fast brains for fast jobs. And there are need people who need to be a little bit more chilled out or slower, more visionary to be able to do cool art. So we really get to know each person and we only train dysfunction. So mm. for you, if it bothers you that your brain has all this like outside stuff and doesn't tune anything out and you feel like you'd be a better mom, wife, professional without it. Yeah. We'd, we'd train the heck out of that, but if you like it and if it helps you, nope, we don't touch it. Yeah. That's, that's good to know. Cause yeah, as a therapist, I'm needing to sit with one person right at a time. And if I know for sure, like if I work in an office space where there's other people and if there's conversations happening in the hallway and I can hear it, I, parts of me get really irritated because I'm, I'm just not as easily able to stay focused with the person. Right. And then that obviously takes me out of being present with the individual. And then I might forget what's being talked about. Right. And then I have big note taking parts within me. So I always have my notebook there. And that was very validating to like hear you and the results because you were like, your brain learns better with like repeating it, like repeating things out loud and writing them down, being very hands on. Like you can't always just hear it and like take that in. Mm -hmm. And that was like, thank you. <laughs> because I know there's well, at least in, I guess, my therapy training, there was some debates of like, do you take notes or is that distracting? You know, and there were some therapists that were like, oh, no, I never take notes during session. And I would always be like, what? Like, how is that possible? Because I just wouldn't remember. Mm -mm. I'd be present, but like, I wouldn't remember right. the details that I needed to, to be effective. Yeah. And exactly. so that's validating to to hear that about my brain. <laughs> yes, good. Uh, and so then I did the EEG. We did like the 10 minutes, eyes closed, 10 minutes, eyes open, did another 20 minute exercise. And then you worked your magic a week later. And then today, earlier today, we got to meet and you went over the results with me. And yeah, it was very validating. It was very eye opening. I feel like it's introducing me to, uh, you know, again, like parts of me that maybe have connections to some of this stuff that is neurological. 
like you mentioned, like my brain has a tendency to ruminate, to think about like shoulds and, uh, you know, how things could, how I could be better. And did I do this wrong? Did I do this right? And it's so interesting because I feel like I then can also have these other parts of me that then try to cope or overcome that. Mm -hmm. And I, I feel like this has just opened the door for me to have more self-reflection of connecting inwards towards the other parts of me that are connected to these different neurological functioning that I have going on in my brain. And then the other step that you provide as well is then once you have that information, looking at someone's brain waves and because you can look at the brain waves and you can pinpoint based on the different areas like if someone's maybe, would you say prone to like, let's say ADHD or OCD or PTSD? Is that, how would you describe that? Yep. Those are called neuromarkers. Neuromarkers. Yep. So phenotypes and neuromarkers are essentially patterns in the brain waves that we find at certain sites that indicate um, certain disorders. Um, and we can call them symptoms or we can call them disorders. The beauty of EEG is that because we know that neurofeedback can repair these issues, um, we don't have to call them disorders. We don't have to label people if they're stigmatized by that. We can just call it um, inattention and hyperactivity or impulsivity rather than ADHD. But if people are uh, more validated by having a specific name for it, yes, there are neuromarkers for ADHD. Um, that's mu rhythm. It's an alpha rhythm at the central strip. There's also two other neuromarkers for ADHD. Um, OCD is frontocentral theta. Um, we've got trauma is at the back right temporal parietal occipital region of the brain. And then we usually see uh, visual hypervigilance in the occipital cortex with that as well. We can see migraines and panic disorder. Um, we can see insomnia. We can, if we refer to neurology, when we see paroxysmal activity, because someone might be, um, have a low threshold for seizures. And what's really interesting is autism and ADHD share the same neuromarker mm. and, um, ADHD tends to be a more inattentive learning based issue. And autism tends to be more of a social empathic issue. And if there is a 64, there's a lot of research on this, but on average, about a 64% chance of epileptiform discharges with autism spectrum disorder. And if it's misdiagnosed as ADHD and someone's put on a stimulant, that can induce seizures. So I can look mm -hmm. at the EEG and I can, I can actually give meta indications as well. And with that, I don't mean I'm a prescriber because I'm absolutely not. I can say, here's a research article that shows that your brain is prone to this neurologically and that this medication is made up of this. And you should talk to your prescriber about how this is the medication indicated for that waveform. And mm. so we've had people come in and neurofeedback is a med-free side effect free permanent treatment, but that doesn't mean that we're anti-medication. Um, it means that if you're, if you really need to be on medication for the short term for immediate help with strong issues, then we need to show you the medication that would be right for that. Um, because sometimes, you know, if, if you've got a stream side effects, that can be because you had too fast of a brain for it and it exacerbated anxiety or too slow of a brain and it exacerbated drowsiness and depression, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah, that's amazing. 
Yeah. Just so helpful and empowering, right? That like someone can see that information and utilize that to, for them, you know, what works best for them. And one thing that came up in my results was something connected to CBD. Yes. (laughs) Do you care to share that? Yeah, for sure. So the brain performs a ton of functions and there are areas that should be fast and areas that should be slow and they should communicate with each other a certain way and certain timing. And so when we see the same thing happening in a generalized or global way in the brain, we know that there's an environmental effect. So I looked at your eyes open EEG and I saw alpha yellow peaks on your spectral map in every site of your brain. And when I think of generalized alpha, I think of people who use marijuana or CBD supplements, because for some reason that plant tends to induce alpha all over the brain. And why? Think about it. When people use CBD or cannabis, it's to calm down. It's to chill out. It's to sleep. It's to um, de-stress. And so alpha is the rhythm that helps you chill and calm and whatever. And so it's a med effect because one of the problems with taking medication is you can't just whisper to a little pill or gummy, Hey, only go to this part of my brain that really needs you, but <laughs> to the other parts. Right. So when you take it, it's going to go everywhere. Mm. And so then it goes everywhere and it's really good for the parts of your brain that need to relax, but taking CBD or smoking weed actually induces frontal alpha as well. And that's where we get into symptoms of ADHD, brain fog, short-term memory issues, focus issues. So if you're a person that needs to function, taking something like that might not be favorable for you. Right. Yeah. That's so interesting. And and I, I let you know that I had been taking a supplement that had, that has CBD and it's like included with like CBD, um, magnesium and maybe L-theanine. I can't remember but it's for like, you take it at night like, and it's supposed to help with your heart rate variability. Mm-hmm. But lately I feel like, yeah, I've been hearing and reading different studies in regards to CBD and kind of just the cautionary things of like, like what you just said, that it's, it's not pinpointing specific things where maybe you do need the relaxation. It's just kind of covering over all of it. Yeah. And for some people, it sounds like, like myself, that might not be beneficial. So no, that was really yeah. helpful for me to hear that. And I'd be curious to talk with you further on, a, on a, like a, another a session with just me and you of, you know, looking at my supplements and because I'm parts of me are supplement uh, loving. <laughs> <laughs> and I do wonder if like I'm taking things that aren't necessary and that right. might be causing more negative benefits than positive. I think that's that's interesting to to look at. So yeah, thank you for pointing that out. And I will be making that shift awesome. <laughs> from CBD. Uh, I know we're running out of time and I feel like we could talk for much longer about all this stuff, but w- in regards to like, once you get all that information from someone, then I guess, what is the next step? And cause I know you mentioned like on your website, you know, looking at this whole self-health model, like looking at like nutrition, sleep and movement is how do you feel like that is woven into then having that EEG results? 
Yeah. So we'll do a lifestyle assessment in addition to the EEG and measure just baseline data for how a person sleeps and eats and when they eat and the type of food that they eat um, and how much they move and if they're satisfied with it and if there's anything they do or don't like about their body or strength or um, schedule. And um, we look at blue light exposure and circadian rhythm and work schedules and everything because whole self health really is the concept of mental health is not just talking about problems. Um, it is how you're functioning neurologically, how you're sleeping, moving, eating, um, if you're spiritual, what your connections are like, etc. And so um, we use that lifestyle assessment that we use with the EEG. And as we are doing neurofeedback training, I set a protocol based on someone's specific EEG and report of what they'd like to improve in their lives. And um, I make a protocol, I put them on a neurofeedback game to train their brain to fire the ways that they're desiring. And at the same time, we've got goals for them, wherein they are going to bed at different times, eating different foods or eliminating certain things from their diet, um, and wearing blue light glasses or eliminating blue light after a certain time, et cetera, uh, because neurofeedback just on its own, if someone still has a trash sleep schedule is going to do very little for right. them. And I'm not in the business of just taking people's money and not helping them to be better. I truly believe that God provides for me and I don't do this for money. I do this because I can truly see it making a difference in people. And so I'm very honest with people who aren't willing to make those lifestyle changes. If they just want to kind of be fixed with neurofeedback, that it's not the right time and mm -hmm. to come back when they're ready, but that there's, we don't realize that food, I think it's Ann Wigmore said that food can either be the most powerful form of medicine or the most dangerous form of poison that we can put in our body. So we oh, fuel yeah. You don't put anything besides gas into your car. You mm -hmm. just don't. If you put Kool-Aid into it or prunes, it wouldn't run. <laughs> and yet we use our systems and, and convince ourselves that our systems can tolerate different fuel just because it tastes good. Yeah. And that's, that's not how we should operate. So there's a lot of psychoeducation that goes into what we do. We help people to truly be healthy in lasting ways. Yeah, that's so important. And yeah. Absolutely. I agree. And I've experimented with various things like you and I had talked earlier and just in regards to nutrition and noticing, yeah, what certain foods feel like in my body. And then, oh, this was the other part that I found interesting was you had also looked at my brain and you were like, oh, this area right here shows me that you're, I forget the exact word that you use, but basically like you might eat to soothe stress. Yes. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, absolutely. <laughs> I used the homunculus to figure that out. <laughs> yeah, which is so interesting. I, I was just like, yeah, uh-huh. That's a part of me. <laughs> I, <laughs> yes. I, yep. That, that can happen. And then that can lead to more inflammation within my body. Cause it, I'm drawn towards foods that when I am stressed, that aren't particularly healthy for my body, you know, mm -hmm. that act that actually lead to maybe emotional soothing of the stress, stress temporar temporarily in the moment as I'm mm -hmm. eating the first couple bites. Right. But then after the fact, it has that long-term uh, inflammation and increase in stress. So, well, and for you, you're tired. Your yeah. brain shows that you're, I mean, you wanted, as soon as you blinked, your brain was like, wait, we're sleeping now. This is great. And then it took a minute to recover to beta and just be kind of a focused brain. So uh, that's, yeah. a, that's important to note. 
<laughs> yeah, that was honestly surprising to me. I, I was kind of surprised to hear that, to be honest. Uh, but it also makes sense, again, that I preferred having my eyes closed because I now like, oh, like my body is like, oh, yay. Okay. Well, it's We're a resting. hypothalamic gating issue. Your hypothalamus in your brain uh, regulates um, hunger and thirst and sleep and sex. And um, so when you are um, having those cravings for food outside of actually feeling hungry, you're probably actually just tired. It would get you more to take a nap than to eat something, especially because we all know when we want food, but we're not hungry. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We just want to eat to eat. And when you have that feeling of just wanting to eat to eat, that's really a sleep signal in your Mm. brain. You override that consciously with I have too much to do. It's not time. The light's still out. I I don't I literally can't because my kids right here, whatever. And so we just eat to satiate the hypothalamus, but Mm. really it's a sleep thing. That's so interesting. That makes so much sense. Okay. You can do like yoga nidra or non-sleep deep rest in that moment and get a little bit of energy back. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's so fascinating. All right. Well, I know you got to get off here. Uh, where, how and where can people find you get connected to your services? Yeah. Go to rightmindwellnesscenter.org. Um, you can always text me too. That's the best way to get a hold of me. 513-667-2165. Um, or Steph at rightmindwellnesscenter.org. Um, I'm in the process of doing a bunch of mobile contracts, trying to get neurofeedback out there in a more widespread way. So my lease is up in July. I won't be in White Oak anymore. Um, I've got future, future goals of having a brain bus and using my nonprofit to go into impoverished neighborhoods and giving people neurofeedback to free for free. Very cool. Um, which is pretty much what we do over here in White Oak. We specialize in Medicaid and we give it to people that Medicaid won't cover, use funds for that. But um, so I'm in the process of going into schools and mental health agencies and um, might partner with some people locally to have a couple of offices. But in the meantime, while I'm transitioning, yeah, just send me an email or text message and then I can help you out. Perfect. That's so wonderful. Well, thank it's you for cool. everything that you do and thank you for, you know, spreading this 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 technology and this knowledge that you have of being able to read people's brains. <laughs> it's pretty <laughs> yeah. amazing. So Always. I'm happy. All right. Yeah, I'll put all that information in the show notes so people have easy access to your email, the website, your phone number, all of that. Cool. Thank you so much. Thanks for putting this together. You do an awesome job. Thank you, Stephanie. All right, everyone. I'll talk to you later. Bye.